Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're looking at the book of Hosea. We uh, started this morning, we went through uh, first and second chapter. Uh, the, those first two chapters are really about the uh, marriage uh, account of Hosea and his wife Gomer, who is supposed to be a harlot or something, and we went into a lot of detail about that and gave some opinions which are all rather vague of uh, the different early church fathers who were writing in the first, second, and third century about uh, is it a metaphor, is it an allegory, is it uh, something that really happened, was she a good wife who uh, went off with other men, or what was it? But uh, the reality is, is uh, we also talked about the fact that the marriage contract was really the only contract that God put here, other than the original trust he created when he gave man dominion. Uh, Adam, specifically dominion. He had made Adam out of the Adama and breathed into him the Spirit of God, much like what we see Jesus doing when he comes out of the tomb, goes up to his apostles and breathes into them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing these patterns going through creation in the Bible and we can correlate them together with... Uh, the different uh, stories in the Bible, and and we find the Hosea actually quoted in the New Testament, as well as uh, many of Deuteronomy was quoted in the New Testament, Psalms, uh, a few Proverbs are quoted in the New Testament. Jesus certainly quotes Moses in the New Testament when he talks about the law and that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves and we are not to covet. And uh, so Jesus is telling us all these things, and Hosea told us all these things. And the fact is, all the prophets told us all these things, and yet most modern Christians absolutely miss it, absolutely ignore it. I had somebody who was writing me just uh, today and saying, you know, he, I've I've seen posts by him, and uh, he saw something I posted, and he said that, yeah, about covetous. You know, that we, people think that the, the government is usurping our rights and taking our rights away and, and that we need to rebel and all this sort of thing. The reality is we have lost many of our rights or access to them because we were absolutely content in taking the rights away of our neighbor. We were absolute willing to sign agreements where we all have one purse and we give the power to somebody to take away from our neighbor so that we can have benefits like free schooling, free health care, take care of my parents, all these free benefits that are only financed by taking away from your neighbor. And of course, all the governments of the world, we've gone through this in many shows before, showing that all the governments of the world are in debt. There actually is one government that probably is not in debt and uh, there's going to be a war between that government, that harlot government that is pretending to be the church and is actually one of the richest organizations in the world. But it's not me that's going to have to battle with them because in Hosea we know that God will restore 
his kingdom, not by the power of the sword. And uh, that's that's kind of an amazing thing. But of course, that, isn't that exactly what happened when Israel was brought out of the bondage of Egypt and was had their back at the Red Sea? They were all down there being sui juris, you know, in possession of their rights. They belonged to Moses, who was the rightful Pharaoh, but he would not rule over them. They called him Moses, just like they called the Pharaoh Moses. Tutin Moses was the name of the Pharaoh. Uh, they called him Moses because they he was drawn from the water, not because he was going to rule over them, because he wasn't going to rule over them. That was the thing. Moses did not want to rule over him. He did not want to exercise authority. The same as Gideon. I and my family will not rule over you. Same as Jesus when tempted by the devil uh, to rule over the people. He would not do it. And he quotes Deuteronomy to explain why he won't do it. All three temptations go back to quotes from the Old Testament. Because Jesus was preaching the Old Testament. Not the way the Pharisees understood it, but the way it was meant to be understood from the beginning. You might assume that you understand the Old Testament and that you then therefore you would say, well, I understand the Old Testament and I know the New Testament is completely different. A whole new set of rules in the New Testament. No. What was completely different is the New Testament was not like the way in which the Pharisees interpreted the Old Testament. That was new to the Pharisees, but it wasn't new from God. God was the same yesterday as he is today. Anyway, and that's one of the reasons why we're going through the prophets, to show you that they were teaching the exact same thing that Christ was teaching. In different stories, different allegories, but you'll see that, you know, like we talked this morning about uh, some of the stories in the New Testament, some of the parables, are almost identical to what Hosea is talking about. Although they don't usually refer to it as a quote, because it's not really a quote. But that is what was going on back then when the people had gone out and said they wanted a king. They were told what would happen. They still wanted a king. Samuel gave them a king. They got exactly what Samuel said they were going to get. And... uh then they, when they repented, God wouldn't hear them. So some of them, the northern kingdom, said, what is David to us? And they left. And the uh, southern kingdom, Judah, it remained loyal to the kings that were coming down through this lineage of David. All the way down eventually to Christ, who was the highest son of David. And he also was the one who was to come after his cousin, who was John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah. And Zechariah had actually been killed in the temple. And that made John the Baptist the rightful high priest. And he moved the laver out to the Jordan River and was baptizing people into the kingdom. The same as the Pharisees were baptizing people into the kingdom. Uh, the Pharisees that supported Herod were baptizing people into the kingdom. But their view of the kingdom was not the same as the view of John the Baptist. And therefore, not the same as the view of Jesus Christ. And this, of course, is why Christ was killed by them. The fact is, is they hate. They are very angry and hateful 
of anybody who starts talking about taking back your responsibilities. That's what Christ was trying to teach the people is how to take back their responsibility of exercising pure religion. So anyway, we went through Hosea, the first two chapters. We talked about the scholars being so confused by Hosea and not getting the very simple message of Hosea. And... uh and how so many people follow all these things that scholars are telling them, and they're n- most of them are not right. Which, of course, Christ warned us of in the beginning. So now, anyway, we're up to the point where we could start chapter 3, which is the account of Hosea's marriage, and, and it's kind of autobiographical. Some think that they talk about this as if this is a different wo- woman than Gomer, but you have to kind of see how they write in the Hebrew, and especially during this particular period of time. But anyway, in Hosea 2, we we got through that this morning, and uh, we, I mentioned the fact that the Ami that they mean uh, is a nation of people, and the Ruhama is uh, this symbolic of the daughter, and uh, same with the two sons of Gomer, three children of Gomer, one being the daughter, are all symbolic of the relationship of the people who had now gone whoring after other gods. That's what it says. They've gone after other gods. Just as Gomer, the wife of Hosea, had gone whoring after their lovers. And so anyway, we read that. And there was mention of the name of Balaam. And if you go to preparingyou.com, I've added a few more links in there so you can understand this. Balaam, they spell it a number of different ways, but they're talking about coming out of the land of Egypt and, of course, seeking Balaam and the Nicolaitans, which are the same thing. You're actually drawing yourself into the bondage of Egypt, and you should be going the other way. And if you think another way, you will go that way, but it will still take the miracle of God to save you. They talk about the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil and they shall hear Jezreel. That's the one of the sons of Gomer. And uh, we talked about its meaning. But now we're in Hosea 3, so let's get with that. Hosea 3, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So what is it? They're getting drunk on something, evidently, these flagons of wine. Well, if you actually go to that word flagons, it appears, that particular word flagon appears about four times in the Bible. It isn't always translated flagons, but... uh or flagon or flagons, but uh, it actually means raisin cake <laughs> used in a sacrificial feast, uh, consisting uh, consistently translated these four times as flagon of wine. Although we see it in um, Song of Solomon with uh, just flagons, and it says, uh, "Stay me with flagons, comma comfort." Me with apples, for I am sick of love. So what is that? Sick of love and you want flagons and apples instead of that. Well, 
if flagons are fruit cake or some sort of uh, a raisin cake and uh, apples are fruit, then this really this flagon is talking about the fruits of something. That, you know, and of course, it, it's fr- flagons of wine and it, they're coming again from grapes and grapes are also a fruit of something. Christ was going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees because they were not bearing fruit. There was fruit in Judea, but they were not bearing fruit. And so he's going to take it away. And so we see this in in this uh, chapter, uh, also in chapter uh, 3, verse 1, right away, this flagons of wine. And it says, and love flagons of wine instead of each other is what they're talking about. And of course, the God's many... Uh, we have articles up that show you who the gods many, who are they going after to chase these gods many, to pursue these gods many that the, they're mentioning here in this very, very first verse. Well, those are ruling judges who decide what is good and evil. They are also part of a system where they decide to take away from your neighbor and give to you. To, to provide you with benefits like the health care and free education and all these things. And that, of course, all those benefits is the fruit of those systems, of those other gods. That's what they're looking for, is the fruit, which we also call wages of unrighteousness, because those gods provide you with those benefits by taking away. And so I added another link in a footnote there on uh, chapter 2. And this is a great way to study the Bible. You know, we have uh, several quotes there in the the bottom of uh, Hosea 2. One is Second Peter 2.15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam. The son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. There's several links in that verse, and it's down there in the first footnote. Also Jude one eleven. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Those rewards that they're talking about are the wages of unrighteousness. The same word translated wages is also translated reward. In Revelations 2.14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols. That's the fruits of those systems, those wages of unrighteousness. And to commit fornication. That's the national adultery that that uh, they're talking about all throughout Hosea. So, okay, so that's just... Those are just in the footnotes. I could put dozens of footnotes correlating what they're talking about in Hosea to all these other verses and chapters in the Bible. So I brought her to me, it says in the second verse of chapter 3. For 15, bought her 
to me for fifteen pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and a half a homer of barley. So that's a homer and a half of barley and fifteen pieces of silver, which some people calculate that out to be about six ounces of silver, which wouldn't be very much by our standards, but uh, actually it's getting to be more and more. <laughs> but anyway, he says that he bought her for that price. And uh, he, he's, he's talking about Gomer again, that he bought. All of a sudden he switches, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. So he's buying this adulteress. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So I will also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Well, we could get into ephods and teraphims as well, but they're saying, they're putting in without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image. No graven image. So they're, you see, their, their sin was they wanted a, a ruler, a commander in chief to fight their battles for them. And, and people still want that. They're all going to go out and vote for Trump or Biden or constitutional party candidate, whoever that is. And uh, they still want to have a king to fix things for them. I can guarantee you that's not going to work out in your favor. Now, you certainly have a right to go and vote, especially if you're voting in self-defense. So I'm not telling people to vote or not to vote. I'm telling you what the solution is. The solution is repent and seek ye first the kingdom of God. And So anyway, he's talking about Going without a prince. Well, we don't want to get rid of whatever the president or prime minister in your country or whatever it is. We just want to do without them. Learn to do without them. And of course, that's what the gospel is telling us. How to do without them. How not to depend upon Caesar. And of course, that's why early Christians were persecuted. Because they had learned to do without Caesar. And this made Caesar nervous. So in verse 5, it says, Afterwards shall the children of Israel return. Afterwards. After you go for many days without depending on the king, without depending upon the princes, without depending upon their sacrifices, their Corban. Remember it said the Corban of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect. The word Corban means sacrifice. And so in verse 4 when they say without a sacrifice, they're talking about a particular sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Pharisees, the forced offerings of the Pharisees, without an image, the graven image, the things offered to idols, those benefits, those wages of unrighteousness that are offered to idols. That's what he's talking about, is going without that for many days. So that's why you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start caring for one another as if your life depended upon it. Because it does. Because <laughs> that's, that's what preaching the gospel is all about, is to get you to do that. And so it says, after you've done that, afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. 
are we in the latter days? Well, you're probably in your latter days. I'm in my 70s, so I'm probably in my latter days. So I guess these are the latter days. But the point is, is this is what we have to do. Is, is to go without the kings and the princes of the world. And the only way to do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, you can go off and become a recluse in the woods somewhere and think that, well, I'm, I know all these survival skills. I can grow a garden and I can do all this. Most people can't even keep their family together. So, it's, it's probably not going to work out for people very well if they take that position. Israel looked to other gods, Israel being that kingdom in the north, other ruling judges to decide right and wrong, good and evil, for the people. He, in uh, Hosea, he equates this adultery with having a king and a prince and a sacrifice and images, uh, monuments and uh, or stations is the word there that they translate into images. Ephod. Well, that means priestly garments, a representative of an office. Teraphim means idolatry, idols, images, a giant or something associated with a remedy or healing. That's what these words are meaning. So, who's going to heal you? Is it going to be your mask? Is it going to be your vaccination? You know, uh, who are your priestly offices? Well, they're all down there at the social welfare office and the social security office and all these places you go to take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. You don't go to church to do that. You used to go to church to do that. You don't do that anymore. You go to men who exercise authority one over the other, even though Christ said it was not to be that way with you. So your monuments and stations, capital buildings, your kings, your Chief executive officers, your principas, civitas, your apotheos, your commanders in chief. Those are the ones that you owe your loyalty to, not to Christ. People say, well, I will obey the government until it asks me to do something that is against the Ten Commandments or against God or contrary to the teachings of Christ. Well, coveting your neighbor's goods is contrary to the teachings of Christ. Becoming a surety for debt is contrary to to the teachings of Christ. You all have done that already. So you already are doing something contrary to the teachings of Christ. You didn't just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've been taking oaths of loyalty. You've been signing things and agreements under penalty of perjury, waiving your right to your labor so that you could get benefits, those wages of unrighteousness. So anyway, we need to repent of that, turn around, and go the other way. <laughs> if we don't go the other way, then the way we're going is probably not really a good idea. So anyway, we can go on to chapter 4 now and uh, see where that takes us. There's like taking a look at it, how far I'm going to get in the time frame that I got. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Now, a lot of people think they know all about God, but if you don't know that you're not supposed to be coveting your neighbor's goods to men who exercise authority, then you don't really know the gospel. If you don't know that you're you're not supposed to be, you know, 
making agreements with these men where you waive your rights, your God-given rights, in order to get these benefits at the expense of your neighbor, which certainly isn't loving your neighbor. You say, well, we started public schools because we want everybody to have an education. Well, you could have started a public school without putting it on the tax rolls. You could have just started the public school. That's the way we used to do it in this country. People went out and they built the school. Local communities built the school. They took up a collection, paid the teacher. Those that had shared with those that didn't have enough. That's what John the Baptist said. Do the same in meats, he says. Well, do the same in schooling. And we used to do that in America. You could go to Harvard. You could go to Princeton. You could go to all these prestigious colleges back in the 17 and 1800s and have to pay absolutely no tuition whatsoever if you couldn't afford it. And you didn't have to take out a student loan. Because it was written in their charters that if you could keep up the grades you could, and, and behave yourself, you could go to these schools. And alumni paid in money to see to it that the schools were still solvent and able to do this without any government funds. That's what made America great, that we used to do that. All the public schools built by the people. That's not by getting people to have to pay in, forcing them with the threat of the sheriff coming to your house and threatening to take it away. You've gotten accustomed to that. But because you've gotten accustomed to that, you don't have the the strength or the power to stop a handful of rioters in a city with a million people. You got a million people in Portland and a few thousand people take it over and start burning it down and you don't have any way of stopping them. The men who you've elected, they're not doing it. You, you didn't, you've, you've completely gone away from the principles of the kingdom and you've become so weak that you can't even stop a handful of rioters. You can't, you don't have the power of God in your hands. Yeah, the other day I saw people, supposedly this was a church deal where they're all singing out in a parking lot, spacing and everything, but a few guys evidently got too close and the cops came and started arresting them and all the people just kept singing. Real Christians wouldn't have put up with that. They would have said, you arrest him, you arrest us all. Take us all in. Because we're all together in this. You just go arrest the entire church and put us in jail. You know? And if you won't arrest us all, we won't let you leave unless you take us all in. Now you can do it peacefully, not like the, the, the violent people. You just do it peacefully. You say, this is a protest. We're protesting the mass because we know they're nonsense. Of course, most of the people out there probably don't know they're nonsense. Some people are getting fed up with it and they're getting angry. But they don't know any science behind it. I've had people say, well, I'm not a scientist. Well, you can think, can't you? Well, actually, a lot of people can't think. So, I mean, that's that's the problem. But anyway, in Hosea 4, he's talking about, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because they have no knowledge of God, because they've gone after other gods to make decisions for them and decide what is right and wrong. It's it's good to abort your baby, but it's bad if you don't wear a mask. <laughs> I go, what? What? 
But anyway, that it's just it's just become absolutely crazy. If you can't see that it's crazy, then maybe you're crazy too. But the fact is, the gospel is clear. He says, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. In other words, because you were willing to take a bite out of one another, you have been devoured. You eat meat with blood in it. You're eating the sacrifices of the Pharisees, the Corban of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect because it's based on force. It's not based on charity, which is what John the Baptist said to base it on. Until John the Baptist came along and said that, everybody said it was absolutely okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare as long as you did it through government. No, it's not okay. There are consequences for that goes on in verse 3. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the fields and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Wow, what is, what's he talking about? Destroy thy mother. He says here, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what I'm talking about. Knowledge of the fact that you're supposed to be sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taking care of all the social welfare of the people, for the people, and by the people through faith, hope, and charity, not through force, not through fear, not through fealty, not by taking oaths or empowering men who exercise authority one over the other to take away from your neighbor so that you can have free benefits, free health care, free fire departments, free welfare. You're not supposed to be doing that. If you think that's okay, you will also be devoured and go into bondage. So again, what are the priests? The priests are those who tend to the daily ministration of taking care of the needy of your society, the widows, the orphans, the people who get injured, the people who get sick. They're supposed to help take care of them and you're supposed to give them the means by which to do that by supporting them. If they don't do a good job, don't support them. You don't have that option with the gods that you have chosen for yourself. You have to pay your rulers to oppress you. And you complain, wow, they're just usurping our rights. No, you sold your rights in order to obtain benefits. And your parents sold you into bondage and have cursed you as surety for debt because they wanted benefits too. You have to forgive if you want to be forgiven. If you will not forgive, you cannot be forgiven. That's what Christ said. You say, I'm forgiven because Christ died for my sins. I don't know. Is your name on a list somewhere? Because he said, if you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. Period. You have to repent and seek the kingdom of God. Then you can get access. He died that you might be saved. That's what the words say. Say. I know it's not what people have been telling you and you want to believe what people have been telling you. I'm not telling you. 
I'm telling you what Christ said. If I, if that's not what Christ said, you let me know. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. The prophet, he's going to fall. Well, it's the ones who have prophesied that it's okay to exercise authority one over the other. It's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. You just say you believed and you, you'll be saved. But you can go about borrowing money against the future of your children and not really curse them. Yet, Peter said, you would do that. You would curse your children and make them surety for debt. You yourself would become merchandise. That you would return to the bondage of Egypt. They tell you this. The warnings are over and over again in the Bible. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. All these benefits that you've been increasing and increasing since, you know, well, you can go all the way back to 1900, but 1933 with the Social Security, and then then you, you got WIC programs and other welfare programs, and and now you want health care and all these kinds of things. It's just, you're just piling bricks on your own back. So he says, and there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways. Those are the ways I'm talking about. And reward them their doings. What is their doings? They've been biting out of one another. If you go back to verse 8, they eat up the sin of my people and they set their hearts on their iniquity. That's what modern Christians have become workers of iniquity. He tells us and warns us about that. Go down to verse 10, for they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. You think you're electing Trump and then he's going to make things right? Well, people elected Saul and thought he would make things right. Nothing against Trump. I wish him all the best. But that is not your salvation. Your salvation is Christ and doing what Christ said and taking back your... You want your rights back, take back your responsibilities. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Now that's a powerful statement. That's why the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor. They took away the heart because they made men, gave men the power to exercise authority and take away from those who have to give to those who don't have enough. They were creating socialist systems. And now socialism is really popular again with a lot of people. My people ask counsel. At their stocks. Now, stocks, what is that? Is that like those stocks where people are in prison, their hands are tied, and uh, their head is in the stocks? And it says, The people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredom hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. And so that's what's happened, is that we've made these men able to decide what is good and evil. There's an alternative system, and that's what Christ was teaching. But it's been so long, it's right there in the Bible. But it's been so long since you've lived that way, you don't even realize that the solution was spelled out in the Bible. 
sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another. Instead of paying taxes, you would be... You know, there were taxes that the early Christians paid because there's all kinds of different taxes. We've talked about that where the Roman system of taxation was so complex that most historians can't even figure it all out now. But there were there was taxes if you wanted to go down the highway. You know, if you, you were going to go down one of the Roman roads, you got taxed by the number of axles on your cart. You got taxed by the number of donkeys you led. You got taxed as an individual. They opened up your your packs and your produce and everything and they took a portion in order to get into certain trade areas. There were all kinds of taxes. There were all kinds of tax collectors. We have more. <laughs> We've done a bigger job. And I'm not against taxes. You deserve to be taxed because you have been slothful in the ways of righteousness. The ways of righteousness, righteousness is that you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and take care of one another with free will offerings. If you think you're going to be saved, if you think you're going to get free, simply by getting out of the system, but not getting into the king- kingdom, you got another thing coming. You will have, you will find yourself out on the desert with all the armies of the Pharaoh coming down on you and no pillar of fire between you and that army. <laughs> You're going to need that pillar of fire. And the seas will not part for you because you will not have the power of God with you because you have not learned the lessons. You've stayed in error. So in verse 13, they say they sacrifice upon the tops of mountains and burn incense upon the hills under the oaks and the poplars and the elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore, your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouse shall commit adultery. So, I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouse when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore, the people that doth not understand shall fall. Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, Yet let not Judah offend, and some not ye unto Gilgal. Neither go ye up to Bethaven, nor swear. The Lord liveth, for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. So, Really, we'd have to dissect all the Hebrew and other words to get all this, but he's talking about this backsliding heifer. You know, when they talk about the sacrifice of the red heifer, it's nothing to do with the cow. And it's nothing to do with uh, the color red. And you can go read our article at Preparing You so you can find out what are they really talking about because they're not talking about red cows. I know that's what the, if you went to Israel, most of the people would tell you, oh no, they're talking about killing this red cow and burning it up outside the camp and gathering up the ashes. No, it has nothing to, it's, you know what it's actually about? I'll just tell you real quick. Foreign aid. That's what they're talking about when they say the red heifer. They're talking about giving foreign aid to the people round about that are outside the camp, giving it up entirely with no stipulations. You just give it to them in a way that strengthens them 
and you end up becoming favored. They like you. They, they say you guys, you know, like if they, there was a flood, you go there and you help them. If there was a famine, you go there and help them. That's the sacrifice of the red heifer. It makes for strong neighbors. But you have to do it in the spirit of God. So when he's talking about slideth back as a backsliding heifer, is he talking about an actual heifer? Or is he talking about going back to old ways we shouldn't be doing? Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their drink is sour. They have committed whoredom continually. Her rules with shame do love give ye. Is what he, what's he talking about? The, the last line tells us, The wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Again, what's wrong with their sacrifices? They're sacrificing to men who exercise authority. They've made agreements and made men rulers over them. They have married uh, are contracted, let's put it that way, they have contracted with the priests of Balaam and Nicolaitans. And so now they find themselves in this bondage of Egypt. He says, I'm not going to punish them. They, they will have a success. Now eventually, there will be a day of reckoning. But, they have chosen to go this way and he's allowed them to go this way. But now you're hearing the real gospel and what the real sacrifice should be like. It's nothing different than what John the Baptist said. You know, the whole world was doing it by force and John the Baptist said, no, if you have extra, share with those that don't have enough. Do the same in meats. Do the same in housing. Do the same in aid and assistance. Don't go to men who exercise authority because that's a different spirit. That whatever they give you, the sacrifice that they give you, will not have the same effect as the sacrifices that come by way of charity. And so, I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you, if you go that way, there will be consequences accordingly. You need to repent of that. Jesus forbade us to swear in taking of oaths. James said, above all else, stop the taking of oaths. And he says, swearing and lying. You know, we've told this story over and over again. But people can't, they can't seem to do anything about it. They don't even know how to begin. They don't even know how to start. It's just so frightening to them that nobody does anything about it. They make up all kinds of excuses. But the person who's sitting in the governor's seat in Oregon is not the real governor of Oregon. They have violated Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution, which says they forfeit the office automatically. They have forfeited the office because they have violated the terms to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. Not a little violation, a big, serious violation. Not because somebody sent them a hundred bucks, and but because people are sending them two hundred and fifty thousand bucks and lots of more because they're like I say, millions and millions of dollars over what they're allowed to take. And they're taking it. And nobody's doing anything about it. They're not the governor. They're making executive orders, making people wear masks. They may even pass rules that you have to take a vaccination. Who knows? Uh, they're destroying businesses left and right. And people are all complaining on Facebook and what have you. But nobody will do anything about it, even though it's right there in the law that 
Kate Brown is in violation of Article 2, Section 22. And we, we put it up. You can go to, go look it up on, at Preparing You. We go through it step by step. It's clear, cut and dry. There, there's no ambiguous like, do masks help or do masks not help? You know, you get all these different opinions about an invisible virus. It's right there in her books. She's taken $5 million plus more than she is allowed to take. Therefore, she has forfeited the office. She can't run again. You could sue the pants off her and drive her right out. And who can decide? Well, the God's many. It'll eventually go to the Supreme Court of Oregon. But of the seven guys that are on the Supreme Court, five of them were appointed by her. So they can't even rule on the case. Only two are left that can rule on the case. And so, whatever they rule, you can appeal it up to the Supreme Court. It's a cut and dry case. She's not the governor. You don't have to obey those rules. But nobody will stand up to her. You know why? Because you've elected liars. All the other congressmen, all the other senators, not all, 70%, 80% of the other congressmen are also in violation as a matter of fact, they're secretly trying to change the law. They're going to try a real campaign of deception and lies to try to change the law. You live in a lawless society because you're lawless. Because you've abandoned the ways of God. Your churches, your preachers, I've, had, I've explained this to preachers. They whisper to me about it. They can't deny it. They have no argument against it because it's right there in black and white. But they deny it. and But they whisper their denial out in the middle of a field where nobody's around to hear them. God hears them. I don't care how quiet you are about it. God hears you. And the prophets of the beast shall be destroyed. You need to change your ways. You need to go the other way. So anyway, uh, so what else have we got here? Uh, Deleth Ayan Tov. It's a word that we find here in the text. Uh, the word knowledge is the Hebrew word dah. Yea, but for the lack of knowledge. And like I said, Deleth Ayan Tov. Deleth. That's like a delta. That is like where a river pours out into the sea. That is a, a causeway where also ships can come up through the delta. It's where new land is created. Aon and Tov. Tov is the word, letter of faith. You do not have knowledge of real faith. You believe in philosophies, you believe in doctrines, but you don't really believe in Christ because if you really believed in Christ, you'd be doing what Christ said. You'd be coming in the name of the Lord. You'd be forgiving, saying, I don't want those benefits. They're just putting children more and more in debt. I want to do it the way Christ said to do it, through charity, not through force. But you're not. Because you believe in your doctrine more than you believe in the actual words of Christ who said you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. But that's how you take care of your widows, your orphans. That's how you fund your schools. That's how you fund your health care. 
You do it through men who exercise authority. They call themselves benefactors, but they only give you what they take away from others. And they can't even take away enough to fund their system. Because they're spending so much money so fast, there isn't enough taxes to pay it every year. So they borrow against the future of your children. So you curse your children with debt. Now, so a lot of people says, well, what are we supposed to do? It's so big, we can't, we can't change this. That's what they say about removing Kate from the office of governor. She's not the governor. She has no business being there. She's trespassing. But they said, well, well how can we do that? We're just so little. Well, evidently, you don't have the spirit of David in you either. Because <laughs> David was willing to go up against Goliath. I told people, I said, that you want, I'll go down there and rip that stay off of the pharmacy. They closed the local pharmacy because there weren't enough people wearing masks. I'll go rip that notice off and you give me a ride up to uh, OSHA and I'll hand it back to them and say, you have no right to put this on that business. And they say, well, you do have a right to do it. I says, who gave you that right? They'll say, Governor Kate Brown. I said, she's not governor. <laughs> Here it is. Take it back. I'll show you she's not governor. She's already forfeited the office. The king has no clothes, including Kate. Kate is naked, Kate. She isn't the governor. That's the law. Until they change it, it's still the law. But people say, no, no, we were afraid to do that. You'd be afraid of Goliath, too. Cowards all. Wake up, repent, turn around, go the other way. If I could find three good men, <laughs> that would even be better. <laughs> but everybody is frightened. What are you afraid of? Righteousness? Best you be afraid of unrighteousness, because that is what you've been doing. So anyway, do we have enough time to do another chapter? What does it say in chapter 5? Chapter 5, verse 1. Hear ye this, O priests. Who are priests again? They're the ones who rightly divide the bread from house to house. They're the ones who, like Paul and Barnabas, who brought foreign aid to people during a dearth. That was the priests of Christendom. That's what they're supposed to be doing. I should put live links in there because we have all articles on priests. Maybe I'll do that after the show. Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye house of Israel. Israel's supposed to be where God prevails. And give ye ear, O house of the king, for judgment is toward you because ye have been a snare on Mitzpah. And a net spread upon Tabor. Now those those words have meaning. So that's part of the metaphorical uh, allegory of the story. But the snare. I have a live uh, link that will take you to an article on snare. Because they mention this idea of snare all the time. And of course when they made you merchandise. Because you were engaged in covetous practices. Socialist practices where you wanted to get free education at the expense of your neighbor and you wanted to get a fire department at the expense of your neighbor and a police force at the expense of your neighbor, this is what this is what you got. 
you, you, you went back into the bondage of Egypt and you've been snared. Now you think that, oh, I'll fill out some papers and then I, you know, say that I'm a belligerent claimant in person. That's what some people used to use that phrase. That uh, I'm going to profess that I have no contract with you. You're going to break the bonds yourself. No. Don't try it. I advise against it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and God will break those bonds. And he will give you the full armor of God. If you run out ahead of the Lord on your own, lots of luck with that. Verse 2. The revolters are profound to make slaughter. Though I have been a rebuker of them all. So that's what we see. The riots in the streets. That's just the beginning. That's the tip of the iceberg. There, there actually is a desire to kill off most of the people of the world. They want to, and they've said this out loud. They want to do that. How they're going to do that? I could, I could give you a number of scenarios they're going to follow. Will they succeed? No. Will they succeed in killing you? I don't know. Have you been repenting? Have you been coming in the name of the Lord? Have you been following the directives of Christ? Have you been putting on the full armor of God? I don't know. But I know that's what you need to do. He says, I know Ephraim and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom and Israel is defiled. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. For the spirit of whoredom is in the midst of them. And they have not known the Lord. That's what you have to do. Not an intellectual knowledge of the Lord. You know, if we go back to in verse 4, like I said, uh, not verse 4, but in uh, chapter 4, where it co- talks about doth. It talks about that as knowledge. is translated knowledge about 82 times. No, about six times. Cunning once, unwittingly. But it's, it's specifically this word. It's from the word yada, which is knowledge. But they've added to it so that, and actually even taken away a little bit, where it's Deleth, Ayan, Tov. While the, the word that it's originally from is just this uh, Deleth, Ayan. And it means perceive or show or knowledge to see or understand. But uh, Deleth means more than that because it has this this faith that's incorporated onto the end of the word. That it's faith that is going to make the difference. You're not living by faith. You're living by force. Now, some of you want to get out of the system. I understand that. But you have, it doesn't say, you know, get out of the system. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Christ told us how to do that. And that's what we need to be doing. So... In chapter 5, like I said, they will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. They want to turn away from the God's many, but they don't want to turn their doings as framed by Jesus Christ and by Moses. For the spirit of the whoredom is in the midst of them, still in their hearts, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. 
that Judah was staying faithful to the king, but they, they still fell to this, which of course is where we find them when Jesus arrives. And the Pharisees have created this system where you were baptized in the system and you were registered and you had to pay in. And that's the Corbin of the Pharisee. The sacrifice of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect because it was based on force. That's the way you take care of 90% of the welfare in your nations today. All across the world. All across the world. You don't think, you think you're going to get away with that? No. And not that God wants to punish you. He wants you to repent. He wants you to be saved. But you got to turn away from the ways of unrighteousness towards the ways of righteousness. Like he said, without a king, without the sacrifice, the benefits, the Corban, for a period of time. You have to walk in the ways of Christ. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. That's what he said back in Samuel. I will not hear them. In that day, they'll call out, but I will not hear them. You want God to hear you? Start hearing the cries of your neighbor. Start coming together in love and peace. That's the key to the kings, uh, the kingdom of heaven. So, anyway, until we meet again, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. We'll take this up next week. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.